So glad you're in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, got a question for you as we start message time this morning. Um, what is the one thing that God wants from us more than anything else, and we have the power to either give it or withhold it? Our worship, our praise, our adoration, our hearts. At the end of the day, we get to decide what we're going to do about that. The funny thing about that is it almost sounds like a no-brainer, but the truth of the matter is uh, there is a real battle going on for our worship. It's a battle that's been going on uh, for, for eons, even before men and women were created. And, and, and frankly, I want you to win that battle. I want us as the church to win that battle. It's a very real war during the next few weeks. We're going to look at that in great detail and try to get an understanding of what that looks like. We're going to invest the rest of our summer in the series that we're simply calling Consumer or Consumed. And we're going to ask ourselves, do I understand the battle for my worship and which side of the battle lines am I on? And if I'm not on the right side of the battle lines, what am I going to do about it? Week by week throughout this series, uh, we're going to provide you uh, with, with ammo to win your war. That, that's, that's the whole thing about it. And then at the end of the time, August 25th, we're going to end this whole series with a night of worship here on a Friday night, August 25th. How many of you were in the last night of worship we did a few months ago? Was that powerful stuff or what? And so go ahead and put it on your calendar now. Friday night, August 25th, right here. We'll have childcare at 6.30. We'll be coming together. We'll be worshiping and using the ammo that we've been learning about all throughout this series. I'm expecting it to be a powerful, powerful summer together. For those of you that want the manuscripts, just go to info at bridgechurch.cc uh, and, uh, and we'll be glad to provide you with the manuscripts of all of these messages or any of them that we do. And if you want to follow along with the message today, you can go to the Bible app on your smartphone or your, your tablet or whatever and go to Events and Bridge Princeton and follow along with all the scriptures and all the points that I'm going to be making today. And if you want to tweet something, Facebook something, if you will, use the hashtag consumer or consumed so that we can all see what spoke to each of our hearts during the course of the morning. Okay, today I just want to kind of get the series going. I want to kind of get our hearts leaning in the right direction uh, by giving you three kind of general areas, critical but general areas that, uh, that will help you to win your battle. In fact, it, it, you're going to have to win these three in order to to win your battle, but first, let's, let's define the battle line, okay? Is it, is, it, is it important for we get that clear? Let's define the battle line, uh, and before we get into it, i got to pause one more time because I just saw a bunch of t-shirts. The Kentucky team is home! Thank you guys for your ministry and the act of worship that your service is. One of the things we're going to learn throughout this series is that worship is not just what you do for 25 minutes on Sunday morning in church. Right? Let's get into it, though. The battle line is clearly defined. It begins in Isaiah chapter 14. You can go there with your Bible, or it'll be on the screens. You can do that Bible app thing. It's there. We're going to read verses 13 and 14 together. We're going to see when this battle started. We don't know exact timing. We know it started in heaven uh, when one of the angels decided that he wanted worship for himself. The Bible calls him uh, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the accuser of the brothers, the fathers of lies. I mean, there's all kinds of names for him. But the bottom line is, he wanted to be worshipped. So let's read it together. 
And I want you to watch for the repeated phrase in the passage, okay? See if you can pick it out. Isaiah chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. It's on the screen, so let's read it together. One, two, three, go. I will ascend to heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Do you see the phrase? What, what is it? I will. What's he saying? He's saying, it's all about me. He's saying that I am worthy of worship. He's saying, I am the center of the universe. He's saying, what I want is more important than, what, than the God who created me. I will. Now, hold on to that phrase. We'll come back to it in just a couple of minutes. And even know the result of his self-centeredness? He got kicked out of heaven. And a third of the angels followed him, and they got kicked out too, and they got cast down to earth. So fast forward with me now from that point to the time that Jesus has come to earth some 2,000 years ago. Before Jesus began his public ministry, he went into a 40-day season of fasting and praying to prepare his heart and to connect in that kind of a way with the Father. And while he was in that time of fasting, toward the end of it, Satan came back and tempted him three times. Want to guess what one of his temptations were about? It was about worship, right? Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this, read it with me, all this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Pastor Jim paraphrases that verse just simply as I will give you everything you ever wanted. All you have to give me is your worship. You know how Jesus responded, right? Do your heads like this. You know how he responded, right? Matthew 4, 10, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God, and serve him only. What I want you to understand is that Jesus won the battle for worship that day. The battle is won. The war is not over. Because you see, Satan just turned his attention. He couldn't do it with all of the angels. Got a third of them. Couldn't do it with Jesus. So now he's turned his attention to God's kids. If you want to get after somebody and you can't get to them, what's the worst thing you can do to them? Go after their kids, right? And so now he's going after his kids, and that's why Jesus taught us to pray, Matthew 6, 10, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So have you picked up what the battle lines are yet? The battle lines are I will versus Thy will. I will meaning I want what I want when I want it. Thy will meaning I want what you want when you want it. I will meaning I am a consumer of God's blessings. Thy will meaning I am consumed with the presence of God. And that battle line is very real for every person that steps across the line of faith and says, I will follow Jesus. And again, all I want is for you to win that battle. All I want is for you to win that battle. I want you to settle that thing in your heart. But hear me, the battle's going to go on. I've been doing this 40, none of your business years, and the battle's still there. But you can win. You can win. I'm going to give you the ammo during this series from the Word of God that'll help you to win that 
battle. Today, again, I just want to identify three general, critical but general areas that will help you to begin this war. So let's lean into it. If I'm going to win my battle, say with me, if I'm going to win my battle, then I've got to first recognize I am a worshiper. I am a worshiper. Say it with me. I am a worshiper. And I know some of you are already saying, well, Jim's already blown it on this one. Because, you know, I'm just not one of those guys. I'm just not one of them spiritual kind of people. You know, it's just, I don't do the kumbaya thing. And as far as I'm concerned, I just wait till after the music is over. And, and as long as I get the teaching, I'm good to go, right? Because I'm just not one of those guys. What you need to understand, whether you realize it or not, is everybody worships something. When you understand what the word worship means, you begin to understand what I'm talking about. The Greek word uh, for worship is proskuneo, that means reverence. It means to adore. It means to pay homage. The old English word is worthship, which means that worship is the honor, the homage that I give to who or whatever I value most. So there's no question that we are worshipers. The only question is, to who or to what do we ascribe the highest value? Does that make sense? I mean, for example, does exercise have value? A few of you said yes. Most of you said, you know, I had the urge to exercise the other day, but I laid down and it passed. (laughs) All right. But it has value, right? And if you've been to a gym, you've seen two different kinds of people in the gym. You've seen the people that are in there and they're working out, getting cardiovascular health and muscle tone and all that good stuff. And they're celebrating the health that comes from working out and all that. And then there are others that are, they're worshiping how they look because they work out. Don't look at them. Come on. They spend more time in the mirror than they do on the machines. Come on. You know who I'm talking about. Again, there's nothing wrong with... With exercising, exercise has value. I certainly should do more than I do. But we just got to keep straight what's the highest value. Anything wrong with driving a nice car, nice truck? Anything wrong with that? No, nothing wrong with that. But let's be honest. There are people who spend hours and hours and hours cleaning and waxing their cars. Their whole identity is wrapped up in the car that they drive. Now, don't misunderstand me. Nothing wrong with keeping your car clean. Some of you could probably do a better job of that if you wanted to. In fact, I was in a car the other day. There was so much stuff on the floor. I I, I said, dude, you could make two Happy Meals and another car out of this stuff if you tried. (laughs) But hear me, guys. This battle does not require that you not care. It does not require that you don't care about yourself. It doesn't require that you don't care about stuff. But it does require that you settle the issue in your mind, who's going to get the highest value in my life? And before you decide, you need to understand that, that this is one of the ten biggies. This is not one of the ten suggestions, one of the ten commandments. Look at Exodus chapter 20, verses 3 through 5. You shall have no other, what's a lowercase God? It's anything that you value higher than uppercase God. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. Don't worship anything, people or stuff, in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous 
God. What's he saying? He's saying anything or anyone that you idolize, that is, give a higher value than your relationship with God, it's unacceptable. I mean, he created us. He loves us. He sent his son to die in our place. He is all in for us. Anything less than being all in for him is unacceptable. It's just, it's just you know, so we got to settle that one. I am a worshiper. Say it with me. I am a worshiper. The only question is who or what do I worship? Do I, do I give God the leftovers? The second thing that you got to settle, the second area is a huge one, uh, especially here in America, and that is I've got to challenge the consumerism that I've been taught. If I'm going to win this battle for worship, I've got to challenge the consumerism that I've been taught. Any of you agree with me that we live in a, in a consumer-driven society? I mean, that's just the way it is, right? Advertisements every which way. Somebody said we're hit with 300 advertisements a day uh, in print, in billboards, not, not on TV, not mentioned online, and now you can't even do Facebook without every other thing's an advertisement for something else. I mean, we are driven by consumer. We're even told that if the economy's struggling, it's because we aren't consuming enough. Consumers have lost their confidence and they aren't spending enough. So we have consumer reports and consumer advocates, and we got the Better Business Bureau, and there are dozens and dozens and dozens of, of comparison sites online. We've all been trained thoroughly to be good consumers. Is that a bad thing? No, no, of course not. Nothing wrong with that. Please manage your money well. God's given it to you. Please manage it well. But when it comes to worship, it's critical that you challenge that kind of thinking and the way it potentially impacts your worship. Now, again, during this series, we're going to talk about worship in a much broader sense than just what happens during 20, 25 minutes in a Sunday morning service. But since we've all got that in common, let's lean into that one just a minute and kind of apply this idea of, of consumerism, let's kind of apply it to, to the Sunday morning setting, okay? Can you work with me for just a minute? Kind of walk with me for a minute. Uh, imagine with me uh, that, that what we do here is kind of like a production, okay? It's not exactly, but we got lights and cameras and, you know, presentations and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like a, a production, and there are three primary uh, uh, players in a production. You know what they are? Well, first of all, you've got to have an audience, all right? And uh, look around you, look at somebody beside you, somebody on the other side, look behind you. Uh, who's the audience? We're the audience, right? And the audience is power. I mean, audiences have all kinds of power. You have the, empower, you have the power to engage in what's going on or to stay disengaged. You have the, the power to focus on the purpose behind what's happening or to focus on evaluating the current performance. Am I right? In fact, some people are really good at that evaluation stuff. Uh, God has blessed them with the gift of criticism, and uh, no such gift in the Bible. But so when the music starts, their minds are not on connecting with God. Their minds are on, I don't like that song. Come on. I like last week's worship leader better than this week's worship leader. All right. Music's too loud. Music's too soft. Music's too contemporary. Music's too edgy. Not edgy enough. Well, I like it when the drums are out. I don't know the acoustic set. We've got power. I mean, it's power to make those kind of decisions. So I give that sermon a 4.7. 
oh man, we got a guest speaker, I should have gone to the beach. First, I kid you not, the first time Farrell brought me here several years ago as a guest speaker, was over in the other auditorium, and I sat down in the front row, and we had printed bulletins in those days, and I'm sitting in the front row. Family sits down uh, behind me, and he opens up the, the, the bulletin, and he says to his wife, oh, man, we got a guest speaker today. What's he talking about? Building a stronger family? We don't need a stronger family. <laughs> I turned around and said, I heard he's good. <laughs> Pastor Farrell's funnier than Pastor Jim. Jim needs to learn some good jokes. Come on. It's, come on. We got power. We can decide as a consumer, as a member of the audience, if you like it, you'll come back. And if you don't, then you don't have to, right? The second group are the performers. And we don't like to think of ourselves in those terms, but the truth is there's a sense in which I am performing for you right now. Right? I mean, it's just true. I'm aware of that. Uh, if I don't do well, I'm out of a job, okay? That's, that's just the way it works. For instance, I know that your attention span is five to seven minutes. I know that you've been watching television long enough that you've been conditioned that every five to seven minutes the show goes to commercial. And what do we do when it goes to commercial? We either flip channels or we fast forward through because it's recorded, right? Because every five to seven minutes we have to do something uh, different. We get up and go to the bathroom. We go get a snack. We do something every five to seven minutes. So if I want to make a difference in your life, what do I have to do? Every five to seven minutes, I have to tell you a joke. <laughs> I have to do a stand-up routine, right? Or I have, to, I have to get you to repeat something to me, or I have to get you to look at somebody. I have to get you to raise your hand. Why am I doing that? I want you to stay engaged. And I know that some of you are already disengaged a couple of times this morning, so come on back. All right? Because I know your mind is looking for the commercial and you're gone. <laughs> okay? The third uh, player in our little production is the director. And of course, we're Christians and this is church. So we hope the director is the Holy Spirit, right? We hope that he's the one who inspired the song selection and he's the one that led the, the preacher to the message of the day. And he's the one that's anointing the service and the work in our hearts. And and so he's the director. Okay, got it? So we got three players, audience, performers, and director. Everybody got it? All right. If you got something in your hands, I want you to put it down because I want you to do something for me. It's been five to seven minutes. I need to get you to do something. <laughs> I want you to raise both your hands. Come on, work with me. Raise both your hands. Now I want you to start shaking them. <clears throat> oh, that looks good. Shake them. Oh, come on. Shake them hard. Shake them, shake them like you're trying to shake boogers off. Come on, shake them hard. <laughs> well, what are we shaking off? Most of what I just said. In order for this gathering to be worship of the one true God, it has to be a thy will gathering, not a I will gathering. It has to be a what he wants, not what I want. And in order for it to be a thy will gathering, gathering, we have to think like producers, not consumers. Hear me, guys. You are not, never have been, never will be the audience in a worship event. 
Who's the audience? He's the audience. Who are the presenters? People on stage? No, 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 no. We are. We may be leading you in that presentation, but we are the choir, and we are raising an offering to our God, and we hope and pray that it is pleasing to Him. Come on. Now, that may, seem, that may sound obvious, and I, and I love the response that I'm getting from you guys because it tells me that you understand this kind of stuff. But guys, he, hear me. Forgive me if this is hard, but, but if we really got that, I mean, if that really sunk in deep, that this is a thy will gathering, it's about him, it's about me, then, then frankly, we would work hard to arrange our lives and our schedules in such a way that we wouldn't just be here on time, we'd be here early. We'd be early enough to catch our breath, to get settled in, to engage our fellow choir members, performers for a few minutes to see what's going on. Besides, you never know what that person down the aisle desperately needs. Somebody just simply to say, hey man, how you doing today? Anytime I think about that side trip, I'll throw this in extra, but it's a powerful moment for me. Maybe it'll help you. I walked into a service one Sunday morning, and I'm just walking down the aisle. As the service is about to begin, I'm coming down to my place on the front row, and a young man sitting there, I didn't know him, but as I walked by, I laid my hand on his shoulder and said, dude, I am so glad you're here today. And he grabbed my wrist, and I said, can I can I pray for you? The service is about to begin. He said, see me after the service. So I went to the front. We went through the service. And sure enough, I went, got him after the service. And he said, he said I, just, I didn't know you were the preacher. But I just need you to know that I stuck a gun in my mouth this morning before I left home. And I decided to give God one more chance. And I said, if somebody speaks to me today, I'll know it's you speaking to me today. And when you laid your hand on my shoulder, I felt lightning go through my body. You never know the person right down the aisle from you who says the only hug I ever get is when I go to church. So if we got that, if we understood that we are in this together, it's not about me and Jesus got a good thing going. It's we are in this together and we are connected with each other and together we bring an offering to him. Then we get here early enough to connect with one another, to engage with one another. You you do know that people find the place they like to sit very quickly and they sit there every Sunday. And if anybody comes in and sits in their place, it just gets, oh, oh, Okay, well, I don't want to run them off. Well, some of you might, but you know, most of us would say I don't want to run them off, but it just feels weird, the whole service, because we're not sitting in our seat. Well, you know what that says to me? It says to me that if you pay a little bit of attention, you've got the same people down the row from you every Sunday. wouldn't take but a minute to meet some people, maybe meet your next best friend, maybe invite them to your life group. You might be surprised. That's a side trip, but it's an important one, so I hope you'll hear that. As the countdown gets closer, you see that countdown clock rolling as it gets closer. If we got this thing, the excitement would be building, the anticipation would be building, not because we're expecting to enjoy today's service, not because we, boy, I just need a blessing today and I'm going to get a blessing today, but because we have this opportunity to raise our voices 
in a way that honors the God of the universe. And he's watching and he's anxiously waiting for us to get started. Just as it counts down to zero, we'd find ourselves praying prayers like, Lord, let our raised voices make you proud. I want you to look across this room and say, that's my boy, that's my girl, those are my peeps. That's what I want, Lord, for you. Instead of waiting for the worship leader to say, let's stand, we'd be on our feet saying, come on, man, let's get with it. Come on, let's go. Now, okay, I got it. I realize that that's, that's a pipe dream, that, but a guy can dream, okay? I mean, the reality for most of us is we live in such crazy, hectic times that we're late for everything. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. When I do weddings now, I tell the couple in advance, now, do you want to start the wedding on time or do you want to start it when everybody gets there? Because they're not the same thing anymore. So we're late for school and we're late for work and we rush in at the last minute. We don't have time to engage anybody because we've got to get in place before somebody catches us for being late. And so we come rushing in best we can, relieved that we made it at all, right? Sunday mornings aren't any different. We get up on Sunday mornings, and we, we want to get there on time. We want to get there a few minutes early, get the kids checked in. And so we're pushing and pushing the kids who are sidetracked by something or other, video game or something, and we're saying, come on, kids, we've got to get ready, we've got to go. And by the time you get out, you're just so stressed, you get in a fight in the car on the way here. Finally, you get them checked into bridge kids, and, 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 and all you can think about is getting in here and getting in your seat. You finally sit down and say, Oh, Lord, I need a blessing today. <sighs> well, that's a little closer to reality, right? Come on. Now, please, please hear my heart. I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody. I'm not trying to give you a hard time. But I am trying to help you see the spiritual dynamic of what's going on. You see, when Satan succeeds in creating those stresses by manipulating the circumstances around you. He has no authority in your life if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, except that which you give him. But he can manipulate circumstances, and he will. And he succeeds at doing that in a way that limits your thy will kind of worship, he laughs all the way to the discouragement bank. You see, when, when we get it in the right order, we're the producers. God is the audience that we're blessing, but he doesn't hoard those blessings for himself. He multiplies them and sends them back, multiplied by his grace. So yeah, we're ultimately the ones who are blessed, but that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the purpose. That wasn't what we set out to do. We set out to bring glory to our God and true to his character. He reflects that glory back to us. I'm trying to help you honestly process that there is a real battle for your worship. It's not this ethereal, spiritual, theological thing. It's real. It's practical. The battle lines are drawn. It's about I will or thy will. A big part of winning that battle includes taking the journey from consumer to consumed with the presence of God. In fact, anytime my worship gets stale and kind of uninspired, 
going through the motions. I don't have to look far to see why. Pretty quickly, it has to do with one of those two things. It has to do with I've allowed something to take higher value in my life than God, or I've let consumerism slip into my thinking as opposed to being a producer. The good news is all you have to do to get it back is this third area that I'll discuss with you. It is focus on who God is and what he's done. That's it. Yeah. Just shift your focus from inward to outward, from me to he, from I will to thy will. Shift your focus to who he is and what he's done. Look at the scriptures, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 29. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Do you see some of those key phrases in there? Be thankful, worship acceptably, reverence and awe. Those are words that help to define this thy will kind of worship that we bring. We're going to talk about reverence and awe in a lot of detail next week, but for now, kind of in wrapping this thing up, I want us to talk about the thankful part for just a minute. And I want you to just lean in with me on a personal level. We're just getting to know each other. And, and uh, so I want to take, take some liberty personally to give you a glimpse into my life. As I look back over my life, I am in awe of him. I was, I was reared by a Christian mother and a saintly grandmother. My dad was in the picture, but he didn't know the Lord until about a year before he died. I had the privilege of praying with him to receive Christ. What an incredible honor that was. He died at 41. But my point is that I knew the truth from a very, very, very young age. But as a teenager, I ran from God. And I ran headlong into a life of sin. It was a life of, of lying and manipulating uh, abusing alcohol, couldn't get through the day without a drink, abusing people. Uh, the truth is, I was better at telling lies than I was at telling the truth. I won the Bull Shooter of the Year award one year, <laughs> if that makes sense. In fact, for a while there, I got so confused that I started believing my lies were the truth, and I felt like I had to change them because I couldn't tell the truth. So I had to tell a lie about my lie. Are you confused? All before I finished high school. But just before, night before baccalaureate in high school, I went to the altar, and I moved from I will to thy will. At 17, I said, Jesus, I'm yours. I don't even know what that means. I don't know where that's going to take me, but I'm yours. doesn't matter. I'm yours. And since then, he has blessed me more than I can describe to you. I mean, he took a guy who had no right to speak into anybody's life, and he's given me opportunities to speak all over this planet. He's given me this amazing wife who loves me and loves Jesus. Not necessarily in that order the most. Fine. 
He gave us three incredible sons in whom we are amazingly proud. He gave us three daughters-in-law that our sons had to marry up to get, (laughs) you know. Seven grandchildren that, you know, if I'm not careful, the world, you know, revolves around them. I have, I hope you hear my heart, I have the incredible honor of leading this amazing church at this season in my life. What an amazing, awesome God he is. And he's given me the health and energy to do it. I ain't slowing down. I'm speeding up. I mean, what could I possibly hold back from the God who gave me this kind of a life? I mean, my only response is not just to give him 20 minutes on Sunday morning, but to give him my life. Come on. But here's what I need you to hear me say. If you tuned out, come back. If you tuned out, come back. Come on back. What you need to understand is no matter what your story is, what I just said is true for all of us. If you think somehow because of that stuff I just said, my life is perfect, got no problems, ha! I mean, I could have just as easily given you a litany of the things that have happened across these 60 none of your business years. I mean, the death of my father when I was 19, uh, disease in our family, tragic accidents that have implications to this day. I mean, the times that I blew it and had to, to make it right. I mean, this is earth. It's not heaven. I got stuff. You got stuff. All God's children got stuff. Can I get an amen in the house? When we get to heaven, be different, but we're not. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, be of good cheer to have overcome the world. And so all I'm saying is when you stop focusing on your problems, when you stop focusing on your failings, and you start focusing on who our amazing God is, and start focusing on what our infinite God has done, What else can you do but to bring him yourself? What else can you do? That's why I think the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, in light of who he is and what he's done, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. i got to close, but here's what I want you to hear. Over the next few weeks, we're going to explore how to give that offering. We're going to talk about the qualities of that kind of worshiper. We're talking about the actions, biblical actions of that kind of worship. We're going to talk about the attitudes of that kind of worshiper. We're going to talk about the journey to become that kind of worshiper. We're even going to talk about how to worship when life doesn't make sense. We're going to learn how to move from consumer to consumed with the presence of God. For now, we all have a choice to make. Having heard the truth, we now have a choice to make. And that question is, 
to who or what will I ascribe the highest value? Remember the battle lines? I will, I want, I am the center versus thy will, you deserve everything. You see, at the end of the day, we come to a place like this and we offer our songs and we offer our minds to hear the word of God. But the only appropriate thing is to bring everything. Lord, I bring an offering. I am the offering. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so very much for the way you've met us here today. The profound sense that your presence was with us while we sang songs and received communion, while we even greeted one another. We thank you what a privilege that is, but I pray here in the quietness of this moment that each of us would reflect on where we are in this journey of focusing on self versus focusing on you, this journey of consuming blessings versus giving blessings, this journey of making sure that we ascribe the highest value in our lives to you because you alone are worthy. I know in a place like this, on a day like this, and even watching online, there are some people that have never challenged themselves at this level. They've never stopped and said, I, you know, I believe in Jesus, but no, I've never asked myself, who's the center? What's the highest value? I've never asked myself in a song service if it's more important that I give a blessing than to get one. I've never asked those kinds of questions. And so I pray, Lord, that for anyone that's listening, that that's a reality. I pray that you'd tell them right now. Let them know right now how much you love them. Let them sense that love. That this is a place for new beginnings, for new life. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed for just a moment. I won't keep you much longer, but I do want you to pray with me. Let's start with that prayer if you've never prayed a prayer like that before. You can say it any way you want to. I, I prayed with a guy one time that wanted to, he wanted Jesus in his life. He wanted to give Jesus his life. And, and I said, well, just tell him. He said, I don't know what to say. I said, just tell, say what's ever on your mind. And he looked up toward heaven and he hit himself in the forehead and said, put it to me real easy right here, Lord. God knew his heart. It doesn't matter what you say. Just call him. He's listening. Right here, right now, I need a fresh start. I need a new life. I want to do it differently this time. So thank you for grace. And then for all of you that are in this place today that have recognized perhaps in a new way the battle for your worship, and you're ready to say with me, I'm going to win. Jesus won. And in his power, I can win. You'll pray a simple prayer with me. Pray it out loud. Pray it silently. I don't care. But pray. Jesus, 
I need your power to win this battle. And I'm trusting you. I want to be a blessing to you. I know you'll give me a blessing back, but that's not my goal. I want to be a blessing to you. Father, you know who's praying across this place? Praying with us online as we worship together across the distance. I pray that you show yourself powerfully to them right now in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. If any of you prayed that first prayer with me, either here or online, would you do me the honor of, of, of sending me a hashtag new life to 72345? I want to pray for you this week. For the rest of you, let's enter in over this next five weeks or so. Let's just enter in and let's focus our thoughts and our hearts on what it means to be a place of worship, a house of worship, and trust that God is going to be blessed by it. Thank you so much for coming. There are prayer teams down.